Hey everyone, welcome to the Modern Patient Experience. I'm James Furbush, head of marketing for Q Squared, where we make it easy for patients to pay their bills. On this show, I interview executives from hospitals, health systems, and provider groups, physician leaders, and digital health pioneers. Our goal is to equip you with new ideas and tactical advice to give your patients the best clinical, financial, and operational experience you can. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Patient Experience brought to you by Q Squared. I'm your host, James Furbush. My guest this week is Jeremy Bailey, the Chief Operating Officer of Next Level Urgent Care. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, James. Good to see you again. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'd love to start the show. So, you know, the I think the great thing about the patient experience is it sort of differs, right? Based on, you know, your organization and, and, you know, do you own hospitals? Are you, you know, where in your, the country you are and things like that. So I'd love to just start, you know, can you kind of share with, with people, you know, listeners, tell us about next level urgent care, you know, what kind of organization is it, you know, give us a sense of, of sort of that, that context where, where you can kind of start um, to dive in. Absolutely. Yeah. So next level is was founded in 2013 by Dr. Juliet Breeze uh, as an urgent care organization. And along the time since then, we've also added on additional opportunities. So we're, we also do lab services. We have a workers' compensation and occupational medicine division of our business as well. And then uh, lastly, we've also added on research the past year and a new primary care arm to be able to focus on employer services. Uh, nice. So, so you know, starting with urgent care and then sort of expanding out across the, the continuum. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, you know, how, you know, then can you kind of dive into how at next level or maybe even urgent care, because I know you're sort of new to the urgent care industry, but I'd love to sort of get a sense from you as you, you've been learning how that patient experience is different, you know, in the urgent care setting versus other, you know, healthcare organizations that you've you've warped in. I mean, because I think urgent care, at least its reputation in the industry is that it is very patient, you know, that that experience is, is put on a premium for, for urgent care. But I'd love to just hear you sort of talk about how you've um, seen those differences play out. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. For me, you know, the, from an operations perspective, the part about urgent care that is great, but also not so great is the fact that you, most patients coming in, you have absolutely no idea what they're coming in for. So the, the sense that it is, is urgent is complicated to deal with. Right. So, and especially during COVID times, it's been much more complicated because we certainly don't know what they're coming for, but we can pretty much guarantee that many are going to be COVID related. And so we have to take certain precautions for those as well. So, you know, for me, the patient experience is incredibly important. You know, the, the most important part is minimizing wait time, you know, minimizing the, uh, exposure risk for those patients that are coming in and making sure that we are consistently delivering an exceptional experience. So we really focus a lot on making sure that our patients are very, very happy. Many of the, our patients have used us for many, many years uh, and continue to do so, but along this time also. We're also getting exposed to patients that haven't come to us before. So it's their first offering of a bus and we want to have an in incredible experience for them. For me, I think the the biggest focus is really just around, you know, 
empathy uh, and be able to have a, a friendly experience. It is also about timeliness of, of our, each of their visits. So we really focus on making sure that our, our team is completely accountable for having a wow experience for them, for those patients. And so from, from the beginning to the end, uh, we make sure that they are constantly focused on the patient's needs. In order for us to do that, though, we have to free things off their plate. So, you know, many, many providers, many doctors around the world wish they were getting, for getting paid, you know, per click in the EMR. And so we try to eliminate as many of those opportunities as possible and make the provider experience really, really face focused rather than computer focused. So, you know, we, we make it a, a, a very simple click, very simple thing here. We create a lot of templates and make sure that the process is as efficient as possible so that we can lay eyes on the patient, spend time with them, actually care for them while they're here. And, and so that's, that's number one. Number two is we also really make sure that our, our patient is you know, having a very simplistic experience, you know, and, and that we don't try to make it overly complicated. We want to make sure that they, they come in, we take care of them and it's not overly elaborate. We're not going to have this massive EOB on the back end for them to look at and say, here are the 15 different charts that you had that you have absolutely no idea about. And so we try to, to break it out in very simplistic terms for them so that they understand uh, what we actually did. But also, you know, we make it easy because no patient walks out with uh, more than a $250 visit with us. And many, many of our surrounding organizations are, are charging a lot. And so it happens to be that we compete in a space where we think we can serve them at a very fixed rate and a very flat rate. And so that they know exactly what they're coming in for. They're not going to get a bunch of surprise bills on the back end. And then lastly, you know, we try to, we put autonomy back into our, our team's hands. So, you know, if the patient is not happy, we have, we give them complete autonomy and complete authority to improve it and have service recovery. So that means that we have to refund them, have the provider call them. We literally let them do that at every team's will and discretion. So we really make sure that our teams are focused on, you know, that experience, that moment, we may screw something up. We may not be perfect, but we really want to make sure that they deliver, you know, a great service. And when we don't, we're going to make up for it and we're going to do whatever we have to do to, to make sure the patient walks out happy. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So that that's great. I've got like a million follow-up questions. <laughs> so I guess we'll start. It sounds like, you know, you guys have some big buckets, right? So there's, there's, you know, how you're, you're tackling the clinical experience and trying to minimize you know, I guess the, the friction of, of the EMR so that the clinician can, can kind of focus on, on the patient, but then it also sounds like, you know, that sort of, uh, post-visit service resolution, if there are issues and then even in, in sort of that, that payment experience. So how do you, do you guys bucket out? I mean, how do you guys sort of approach that sort of end to end, you know, from the time a patient schedules to when they may have a problem uh, that needs resolution. I mean, how do you as a team and an organization sort of bucket that out or, or sort of think about it in order to really tackle and, and, and improve sort of each of those areas? Right. That's a great question. For me, our, well, for when a patient comes in, we actually have created our own applications for our patients to come in, get checked in and wait in line. Again, many, many of our, our organizations are, are all, are all having a big backlog issue right now. We've got a lot of patients to, to be served and unfortunately only enough capacity and time to be able to serve you know, the many that we can. So we, as opposed to our patients waiting in line and sitting in a waiting room, we actually have created a virtual waiting room that we use to 
works with that patient. So they'll let, we'll let them know they can check in, get signed up. They can, they'll get an electronic uh, system to be able to help get their insurance and demographics and, and history, physical information completed online. And then they can just sit in line and whenever it's their turn, call them. And they don't have to sit around and wait because again, some of our wait times are not as short as we all would want them to be right now. But understandably, there's a big, big need for, for what's going on. So we try to allow, allow our patients to check in online and wait wherever they are, as opposed to sitting around and wait, waiting for us. And that's really been a great experience for a lot of our patients. And then we can, we can also triage them, find out what they're coming in for and really be able to help, you know, modify out who needs to be seen first. And also, you know, if we know that they're coming in for COVID related items, we can actually divert them to one of our testing centers that may be much quicker for them, less expensive as well. And so this allows us to really be able to have a, a very clear understanding at the very beginning of what needs to, to happen. And so when, when they come in, you know, we've, we've already gotten most of their information down and they can just walk right back into the room, see a provider, get swabbed, you know, get an x-ray, have hydration, whatever solution they need for them. And then we're able to, you know, get them checked out as quickly as possible. With that, I think, you know, sometimes we have miscommunications around what the patient would owe at times and still, you know, even though we try to make it as clear as possible, we're still going to miss that sometimes. We also sometimes may the provider didn't show as much empathy or concern as, as the patient would have liked or needed. And so we, we do have that from, from the time to time as well. And sometimes we have other types of concerns that come in. And so we actually have built a very responsive customer service or we actually have uh, a team that's, that also monitors our customer service uh, issues that may come in through our, our line, through social media, through any sort of format that can, that could potentially be, be utilized to be able to share some feedback. And if it's a negative review, we're reaching out to the patient within 15 minutes and resolving it within 30 minutes. So we, we are making sure that those problems are resolved and don't fester, don't sit around. And we also try to respond to every single patient feedback that we get on social media as well. So we all, we're always listening. We always have our ear to the ground and, you know, those buckets will range from a clinical and operational and some sort of financial opportunity that we work to, to resolve as quickly as possible. Well, that's fascinating. So you have a team dedicated to kind of dealing with essentially customer service. So then how, you know, can you kind of go more into that team? I mean, how is that team structured? Cause it sounds like, I mean, obviously like social media complaints, I mean, are, are probably a, a big one, right? These days, when I think about, right, if you want to get a company's attention, that's typically how you do it, have to do it these days, like publicly shame them. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to know more about that team and, and how is that something that you helped put in place and, and, or was it there, you know, kind of predating you? Um, tell me more about this, this resolution team. Yeah. Thankfully, this program was put in place before me. Dr. Breeze is, is incredibly focused on patient experience and making sure that everyone has a, an outstanding visit with us. But I will say that we do have our, our call center team that monitors that. So it's not necessarily the only thing they do, but we do yeah. have dedicated people during the day to be able to focus on those. And then we utilize a, a software called Asana, which is usually more of a workflow management or project yeah. management tool. But we use it as our customer satisfaction tool so that we, we actually are able to get collaborative discussions around how to handle any sort of patient concern that comes around. So we're, we're constantly monitoring those things and, and getting the, the message out as quickly as possible. Usually what will happen is if it's any sort of issue with the, the patient, we actually have assistant medical directors and lead advanced practitioner providers. They'll actually contact the patient 
and talk with them, share with them our concerns or, or, you know, making sure that they, we hear their concerns, if you will, and also make sure that we are resolving their matter as quickly as possible for them. And then there's a lot of things on the back end that have to be going through. So we'll, we'll use it as coaching opportunities for our teams, as well as opportunities for us to focus on process improvement. And, and do you have metrics and because like the 15 minutes, 30 minutes resolve, I mean, that feels very ambitious. I mean, especially in healthcare, right? Where we often typically measure things in months, not hours. So can you tell me about that? I mean, how do you, how did you guys come up with sort of those benchmarks and, you know, are you sort of constantly measuring these things to improve them? I'm, I love to hear about sort of that metrics and price yes. improvements around that. Yeah, we, we do, you know, I think it just, it was born from the fact that we wanted to make sure that our patients knew that we were listening to them. Right. And typically, as you mentioned, you know, healthcare is delivered in, in weeks and months and, you know, we, we view ourselves and, and we've taken a lot of experiences from some of our retail friends out there, right? I mean, they're, they're solving problems. We don't have to make it too complicated. We didn't meet their experience that they, that they needed. We want to apologize and we want to take care of it, right? We want to be able to give us another shot because that's not the way that we usually deliver healthcare. Thankfully, we don't have too many that flow through, so we can respond to them quickly. But, you know, even if they were a bunch, it just, it, it continues to show us that where we need to be putting as executives, where we need to be putting our ear to the ground and how we listen to our, our patients. So it's, it's really just born from being, you know, very, very maniacal about making sure our patients have an exceptional experience. And then where there's not, then we go back and fix it. So we actually have created a team called our X team that goes through and we evaluate a lot of our leading indicators to make sure that we're focusing on the things that really drive the patient experience in the right direction. Yeah, it's funny too, because it's like, I mean, they've done studies and, and I'm not going to pretend to make up these numbers off the top of my head, but you know, like most patients assume like the care they get is going to be like quality care. And so much of how they view the, like that encounter is wrapped up in the sort of emotional stuff of everything else. Did I spend too long waiting in the waiting room? Was it really difficult to make a payment? Did I understand my bill when it, it showed up? And I feel like I got value for the care that was given versus the cost that, that is paid for. It sounds like you guys are really trying to tackle all of those issues holistically. Yeah, we are, Matt. You know, I, I think, you know, to your point, it really is in the eye of the beholder, right? So whether we were right or wrong, we were not right. I mean, it, and, and so I think first and foremost, if we just appreciate that every, everyone's going through something and have empathy around Know, what what may be occurring on in their life and we try to do our best and we missed a mark at least in their eyes we learned something right so i don't count that as a failure i count it as an opportunity to learn more about the patients that we serve and so are we missing something consistently is there some sort of process error that we have are we are we not you know meeting the needs in this certain area is this one location that's driving this is it one day is it one one uh, location one facility one room in the facility even so we, we try to get down to that level of detail to understand like what actually occurred, because typically speaking to, you know, if, even if we have errors in our, in our day, it's more than likely not even an individual's fault, right? It, healthcare is complex. There yeah. are things that we want to deliver in an exceptional way. And so it's usually a process that's, that's been broken or has been followed as well, or just maybe confusing. So we take that as an opportunity to say, okay, like what happened, what, you know, what's confusing, what's a problem. 
do we need to evaluate that and fix that problem first before we just go to straight to the judgment on the team? So, you know, it, we, we really do focus a lot on that, but I think if you just even go us way back to the very beginning, we also have core values that lead our organization. And so we really focus on hiring people that meet those core values, this, that same intensity for caring that we all have. And if you align yourself on the beginning and you set expectations up on the beginning and you surround them with people that consistently want to do that and want to achieve that, then, you know, that the game becomes much easier for you. You know, healthcare becomes much more simple because you're all on the same page and you all care for the same things. Yeah. What, so next level. So what are those codified like core values? Do you guys have those sort of like written down that you train people around and, and things like that? Yeah, we actually, we, we put it on paper, you know, we, you know, I, one of the, one of the influences in my life, I worked for DeVita Healthcare, which is a very, very mission-driven organization yeah. and it, it leads from a lot of the heart. It's a very, very complex environment. And one of the things that I learned there was that the value systems that you know, the organization has is really just comprised of the people that built it, right? It's unfortunately, many companies also sit in a closed room and have two people just say, all right, what do, what do we believe in and what's our core value? We're going to put that on the website. And so we, we decided to do it very differently. So we actually had a, a very democratic process this year, sat down and sent everyone the, the entire message and said, here, we're going to come up with it together. Everyone's going to have a vote. And so we literally let every teammate uh, across the send out what their, their ideas were for the core values. And they got together with their cohorts and their facilities. And then they came up with the list of five that, that represented them. And then we rolled it up to two or three clinics and let them get the, the list of five that represented them and, and, and continued to kind of scale it up. And so out of 500 in, individuals, we came up with 23 words, which is pretty remarkable even in itself. And then out of those 23, really, there was a lot, a lot of commonalities that you could roll up into seven. And then from there, we, we selected five. So the five that we have are our team, integrity, service, care, and innovation. And so we have also spent a lot of time defining those words too, and making sure that we are living those values. And so, you know, we can specifically say that integrity means doing the right thing all the time, every time. And that's how we define it, right? And caring just means simply that we care for you. So we can apply that to both each other, how we want to treat each other and how we want to serve our, our patients. And, and so it allows us to be very autonomous and deliver exceptional experience and service. And, you know, the, the favorite, my favorite one is innovation. It just really focuses on growth in an individual setting and, and also in the company setting, but also solving. So, cause that's what we're here for. We're actually here to solve problems in healthcare and we want to focus on those on a day-to-day -day basis. So you bring up an, a bunch of individuals and we interviewed them based off of those, those areas, then I know that I'm going to get the same kind of person that is exceptional and wants the same things as we do. So that really helps us drive what we're doing and the direction that we're doing it. We can always recenter ourselves there when we get to a problem as well. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. But I know you, so, you know, I'm kind of curious. So I want to get to you guys, and this is related to the innovation, but choosing to build apps in-house, it sounds like, as opposed to buying something off the shelf. But mm -hmm. uh, before I get into that, I want to ask you, because we haven't talked about this yet, but as an operations professional, how do you see the, the sort of role of the operational professional, operations professional, excuse me, making an impact or improving the patient experience 
in healthcare generally, but then, you know, next level specifically? Yeah, it's a great question for, for me. I mean, everything starts and stops with our frontline team. And, and so, you know, as an operational executive, you know, you could do one or two things. You can basically say, Hey, we're going to run this way all the time. And it's just going to be a very, you know, like draconian do this or else kind of world. Right. Or you can hire people that have the same type of belief systems that you do. And so that work becomes a lot easier. But, you know, it's, it's really a makeup of, of several different things. It's really, number one is hiring great people. We have exceptional uh, leaders and teammates in, in Next Level that deeply care about making a difference. They also know that we are deeply concerned about their concerns. And so we're always plugging ourselves in to them and saying, hey, we're hearing this is a problem. How widespread is this? Is this, you know, local or geographically, you know, independent here and we're finding, okay, this is the problem. And so then we, we get right back on, on a video system and we say, here's what we're doing to solve it. And so it's, it's simply being able to also listen to one another and be able to make sure that they know that we really do care about them as well. And I think the third thing is really, it's, it's that we actually don't have many in the field leaders, right? So I'd rather spend more money on, on team than on, you know, adding a bunch of layers in the organization. And so we try to keep the team is as stacked as possible, which means they always have what they need to be able to support the patient. But also more importantly is that we give them full autonomy. You know, they don't have an on-site leader telling them this is all the things that we have to do today. They know what they have to do. They know how to take care of the patients, but we, we also give them complete autonomy to do the right things, right? So going back to our core values, say, Hey, in this situation, we need to do the right thing all the time, every time. And so what does that mean for you? How would you do that? How would you, how would you take care of your mother, your father, your brother or sister, if you came in? and allows them and empowers them to really do the right things. And so our teams actually really like that. They like to have the ability to make a difference. And so for me, you know, where, where I can help support is uh, as an operational executive is to help, you know, pull away the things that are distracting them, creating problems for them, not as clear cut as it needs to be for them. So my job is to eliminate all the junk around them so they can be very, very focused on patient care. So for me, if, if I do those things, then I'm doing my job well. Uh, if I don't, then that's where I need to be putting my efforts and my energy because it's not, they're not, they're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve them. Yeah. And, and so uh, that's awesome. What, do you have a couple of examples of some of the junk that you've helped remove this year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think one, one thing, so one of our secret sauces is that kind of shared earlier is, is our ability to create a more dynamic EMR. You know, we have EMRs today and EMRs out of the box are just you know, it's there to meet the, the demand of the, and of the whole system, not just your system. And so yeah. we have, we have incredible information technology leaders in our, in our company that focus on really making sure that that experience is customized and deliverable for, for us, for our patients. So, you know, one of the things that we did is that we, we evaluated our workers compensation and our occupational medicine division and said, okay, you know, we're having some errors. We're not, we're not going from A to Z as clearly as they need to be going what's in the way. Right. And so normal, normal companies would say, what's all the people They're, they just don't know how to click the button. Right. But when we realized we actually walked through, I said, okay, walk us through this whole experience from A to Z. We realized the process isn't even clear to me. So if it's not clear to me and, and I have no business understanding what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis for that they're technically savvy and and, and very, very good care delivers. But if I can't understand it, then how can I teach someone else to understand it? And so we removed a lot of the barriers there to simplify that process, to make it a much more systematic way 
do this first, then do this second, then do this third. And so you know, we also are very customizable for our, our clients as well. So if an employer A wants something completely different from employer B, we're going to deliver that to them, which from an operational person, operationally person, it makes me sweat a lot, right? Because, you know, variation is like the root of all evil. But, you know, yeah. in, in, this, in, this, in this world, though, our patients and our clients are going to have different needs. And so why can't we be customizable? But that requires us to be very, very good at the, the design and implementation of that. So that's where we focus a lot of our efforts and just making sure that does this actually support what's today and what is needed for today? And, you know, can I teach everyone how to do this very simply, right? Because we're going to load up a client tomorrow that's going to be very different from what they were yesterday. And so we need to be able to be agile and, and move around quickly. So we really focus on process design for our team to make sure that the, the systems and the technologies, the things that are there in front of them, help them. And where we have barriers, another thing is that, you know, because our check-ins process is sometimes a little bit longer than it needs to be, right? Because we've got to, you know, get all their history and physical, all their insurance cards, do all the scanning that is kind of normal yeah. there. We're working on solutions to help improve that. But until then, I'm going to give you more people to do the job that you have to get done, right? Because it's not, it's not your fault that it's slower. We we're working on it. And so I'm going to, in a short run, give you more people, give you more staffing support to be able to support the patient care. And then once we eliminate that, the technology gaps, then we'll work on resizing however we need to. We're also growing. So we'll be able to redeploy those, those teammates to other locations to be able to support our patients as well. So that's really where we're, we're trying to focus on eliminating those barriers for them on a regular basis. And so, I mean, how much of the decision to, to sort of build apps, I want to dive into that because that's interesting to me, right? I mean, I think, you know, a lot of places, at least, you know, obviously in kind of my line of work, you know, we're just built buying SaaS apps and, and stuff, but, but you guys are choosing to sort of build custom stuff. And, and so can you kind of go into that decision? Because I, I just, I mean, obviously it goes into your sort of innovation arm, but you don't hear too many, say, like urgent care groups that sort of have chosen to, to make that investment, but you guys feel like it's a, it's a necessary investment to provide your employees a better experience that they can provide patients a better experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so I will say that generally speaking, we, we do buy apps that are pre-built, but we also have usually a lot of rules of saying how, how customizable is it? Right. So like how much change can I put into it? Because we want to be able to put our own, uh, certain flair on it and own certain processes there. Cause again, I'm not just going to buy an app that's going to take me from A to Z when it's going to, when I could probably get there from A to A to C, you know? And so it allows me to go much quicker if we can design it on our own. But there are things that we've had to go out on our own and build because we just didn't see it filling the network and the, the world the way that we needed to. So, you know, we also, we're very fortunate to have a manager of uh, patient experience uh, leader that works with us. And so actually she's just our manager of user experience. And so she focuses on both our patients and our teams to make sure that we've got everything that the team and to make them as efficient as possible, but also the patients have a, a great experience. And so she wakes up every single day focusing on how do we, you know, drive the right channels to make the impact in our teams, our, our patients. And so she also has a unique experience as well that she's really good at app creation and, and, and does a lot of development work too. So we're very, very fortunate to have her skill set there. And so what she thinks about is, well, can I build a website? Can I build something to be able to make this easier and more adaptable? And so really a lot of it just comes from troubleshooting. And so none of these things were like, Hey, we're just going to build our own stuff because we think it's better. But like, we're saying like, here's, here's the need. Do we have anything to support it? Yes or no. And if not, then 
we're going to front end it and make our patients not have to go through 15 different things and to get it all signed up for because, you know, a lot of the technologies are not, they always say they're integratable, but, you know, integrating them are is much more difficult than it seems. So we think that we can sometimes do it better and we have, and sometimes we, we have it and we've had to say, okay, we're going to ditch it and go to something else. But, you know, we're constantly iterating on those things just to continue to optimize it for, for growth for the organization. And do you have some examples of some of the things that you guys have, have realized that were better kind of done in-house than what, what's out there? Yeah. I mean, I think we have, we have our own app. So we have our own iPhone app that Alexis, our user experience manager built. And so it's back-ended with a few other things that, you know, we already, we do buy, but we make it, make it easy for our patients to reach us. And so they can get in line on the iPhone app. They can call us, they can have any questions, concerns shared with us. And they can also set up a virtual appointment or they can do all sorts of different things. And so we allow them to see which clinics are closest to them and what the, the, how many patients are in front of them. We also helped co-develop the actual check-ins process where they can check in and get in line. And so, you know, we, we have, we sought out a partner there, but we developed it with them to make sure that we could come up with something that's, that's great for them. So, you know, along the way we're keep saying, okay, do we need to build this in house or can I find this outside? And so, you know, the, the wonderful thing about build, building it yourself is that you get a chance to, you know, put your own spin on it and make it customized. However, you know, when you, when you don't have, when you're very lame, you don't have a ton of teams it makes it longer too. So where we can yeah. buy and then customize, it makes it a lot easier for us, but there's certain times that we've realized that we could do that. So we've just taken it on our own and, and done an exceptional job. So I'm just really proud of the team for thinking differently and just saying, we're not just going to accept this as the answer and, and try to continue to iterate through how we continue to improve. Yeah. That's so cool. So the, uh, the app is that mostly uh, do you get like as a huge adoption repeat customers. I mean, what is that? I mean, cause that's cool, right? I mean, I, I would love if my healthcare that I have to go to would have an app that I can schedule and do a lot of that stuff that you just said. Um, I had to just call for a referral for, to see a specialist. And it took like seven phone calls between the specialist and my PCP to just have them fax over just a note saying that I was allowed to see the specialist. It was uh, horrible. And, and so, I mean, having that, but yeah, so I'm curious, is that for mostly repeat? I mean, are you pushing primary care to that app? Or what does that sort of look like for your, for your patients? Yeah, great question. So we, we use it for our urgent care settings, but we also, we have an orange button for all of our primary care patients. And so they literally get a dedicated care navigator, a nurse that is going to be on the other line that is, is reaching, you're speaking to them directly after the first few rings. So they're on our call center side of things, but we have, we have dedicated nurses, dedicated physicians that are there to be able to take care of our primary care patients and then re- route them to the appropriate location if need be. Uh, and so the beautiful part about our organization is that many of our competitors are either all virtual or all, you know, on site. We, we do both where we allow us to, to be able to, to take care of the patient wherever. And so it's really great and, and allows our, our, our coverage of our facilities to be able to support those patients on, on a regular basis to come in at any time. However, if they are a primary care patient. We do ask them to go through the app and they, hey, they have a great adoption rate because it makes it easy. You know, they're going to be a guaranteed person on the other line that it'll be able to take care of you. And then for the urgent care setting, you know, we do have a lot of repeat patients that come through, but, you know, because this was co-developed, there are still some opportunities to continue to improve that. And so we are always trying to 
iterate on it, make it better. And so we're hoping that adoption rate over time becomes much stronger, but that's something that we're constantly focusing on. And again, it's using that signal of, Hey, we don't have the adoption rate that we thought we were going to have. And, and so that requires our teams and all our patients to both believe in it. And, you know, during COVID it's been crazy. And so it's, it's harder to get online sometimes than one would like. And so you have to go through other routes, but we try to make it as user-friendly and easy as possible for them. Yeah. And it's still, I mean, I think like mobile phones are still, it's still the best easiest way to reach patients. I mean, everyone has one at this point, I would think so. Man, that's awesome. Well, well, Jeremy, this has been great. So b- before we wrap up, um, I just want to ask you, so what are some places that you look for inspiration or places to learn from, you know, as you think about sort of the patient experience that you want to bring to, to next level, are there companies or, or other places out there that, that you go to for, um, inspiration or, or to, to sort of say, man, I would love to bring that type of experience to, to next level. Yeah, I, I'm inspired every single day. I mean, so internally, I'm absolutely inspired by by Dr. Breeze. She is just a breath of fresh air in healthcare. I mean, she's she's a special individual, right? Just, I mean, she's a doctor, but you know, and that also has created lots of different companies and opportunities for for people. She's an exceptional leader. She takes great care of our team, and then we use that same care that we have for our team to go to our patients. So honestly. The next level would not be where it is without her leadership and, and, and experience. But externally, do I also, I look at not just other healthcare organizations, but I look at other partners out there. So I'm a, a very big fan of Disney. And, and so Disney is the, the way that they deliver their experience is, is exceptional. And so Lee Cockrell is somebody that I look up to. Lee ran Disney World, opened up Disney Paris. And so, and, and it's just been an incredible leader is always talking about, you know, be delivering a, a great experience for your guests as well as for your teams, you know, so you can get, gain a lot of, uh, wonderful experiences through them. People like the Ritz Carlton who have just exceptional service. Again, I think that autonomous aspect where everybody has a authority to do the right thing, no matter what it is, and you have a certain level that you can approve. And, and so giving your team that up opportunity to make the, the situation right, provide immediate service recovery. But also, you know, I, I read a lot. And so I love uh, reading and learning about what other, other companies are doing and, and great getting great ideas. I just finished Dr. Edmondson's book on uh, you know, around fearless organizations, around making mm-hmm. safe environments and making sure that, you know, you're leading from a place of, of health and, and being able to be safe in, in your organization so you can bring things up that are important. And those are the ways that we're going to continue to improve. But then also I saw this great article from around a Lego customer service complaint that came in and just how they made it fun and, and exciting. And not that, not that there's always going to work inside of an organization like healthcare, but at least you can bring some, some character to it. You can bring some authenticity to it. Right. And so just, I think that's inspired by companies like that, that are allowed to be human and understand this is a human condition and human issue. There's a human on the other side. And so bringing some sort of smile to them, helping them out, resolving their problem making them feel like, you know what, they screwed up on this or wasn't exactly how I wanted it to be, but man, they made it right. And it was just a humanistic aspect. And so, you know, don't want to get too big and become too big of a company where we just don't, we forget who we, who we are and where we came from and who we're here to support. So I get inspired by, by things like that all the time. That's awesome. I love the, so I'd love to learn more about the Lego example. I think like Disney's a good example. I mean, you go to Disney once and you're like, all right, they get it. Like their mission 
and I think their mission is like, right, what what is it's like to make people smile? It's not even like to be the world's largest entertainment conglomerate. Right. It's like their mission is literally to like make people happy. That's right. Whether that's on a streaming service when you're like stuck in your house or you come to the park or, or whatever that is. But I'm curious about the Lego because they're another company that's, I, I feel like they get it too, but I haven't yeah. heard of this yet. So yeah, this is a great, well, great article. Yeah, it was a great article that there was a, a, a guy that bought a Star Wars box and it had all the pieces and I realized he got to a certain stage. There was like 13 missing pieces. And so he was like, okay, I'm just going to go write this customer service thing. I'm just you know, probably not going to get a response, whatever. But what was amazing is that, you know, the customer service individual on the other side said, you know, so sorry, you're missing your 13 pieces. This must be the work of, of Lord Vader. And like literally made the entire response based on Star Wars that as somebody that was a Star Wars fan would have absolutely cracked up and said, yeah, that was just awesome, right? So you made a terrible situation where like you, this person wants to put their, their entire Lego piece together, right? Like that's, that's so exciting. Then you have something just stops you from being able to do that and turn that into a service recovery where it was memorable, it was meaningful, and they took care of his needs. And so for me, I think those are the things that just make it fun. And so allowing, allowing some fun, allowing some joy to kind of come into the work after all, we're, we're humans, right? Like this is not just, you can't really separate the work and the personal, like why not just become better human beings through each other? And so this is an opportunity to help inspire others to do better as well. Well, it's like, it's such a small touch, but that is something where that guy is going to tell all of his friends and family, like, Nick, you believe this thing that like Lego did for me and, and what could have been a crappy experience has now earned, I mean, he will probably go buy every Lego Star Wars set I mean, they, they earned his like extra business just from creating sort of a, what could have been a bad experience, but turned into a fun one. Yeah. And I thought, like, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's sometimes we forget it's like stripped of some of that personality and, and uh, human interaction that sometimes goes missing when you're in the emergency room or in a hospital or, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things to me, it's, it's. You know, we strive to have an exceptional experience. We have incredibly smart individuals that work here for us, you know, and, and, you know, wonderful doctors, wonderful advanced practitioners, wonderful techs, but we're also, we're also people, right? And so, you know, there's nothing more frustrating from a customer standpoint of having a complaint and, and they just kind of stare at you or you, you feel like you're, you know, bringing about bad news to them that's going to make them feel terrible or you just you just don't say it because you don't want to be retaliated against like other restaurant or things like that so you know but if we just took it as an opportunity of saying like hey this is feedback this is a gift and we take that and we we don't take it personally to say okay like there's obviously something else that's going on there if we just say a moment that man gosh you didn't have the great experience you just put yourself in that person's shoes for just that moment it just allowed that human connection allows the opportunity just to see like, gosh, you know, we, we didn't do it right, but man, we're going to work really hard to make sure that this never happens again. There's something to that. You know, there, there is that, that fallibility that we all look for out of leaders and out of companies is it just needs to be there more often. And it's okay that we're not perfect or no one's really expecting us to be perfect. But if we come out of it, like we didn't do anything wrong or don't just treat it with the importance that it needs to be treated with, we're missing an opportunity. And so I'm really proud to serve in an organization that treats every opportunity as, as, as if it was the most important person in the world. And I think that's really what matters. It's not necessarily what we do, but it's how we make people feel when we do it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, Jerry, this has been an amazing conversation. So thank you for making the time uh, to speak with us. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks, James. I really appreciate you having me on and, and thanks again for the opportunity. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Take care. You too.